1: Of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty live across the NBA Global Networks. Wherever you get your podcast, type in NBA Sound System, rate and review. Fresh off the end of another NBA season. And it still feels like we have a ton of talk about Scott. Scott, how are you feeling this week?
0: Colin, a champion has been crowned. Uh, it's the moment we've all been waiting for throughout the season. Every team plays 82 games and goes through a grueling playoffs for this to happen. Um, I, I thought the playoffs were great. Finals were entertaining, and Andrew Wiggins is a champion.
1: Now, yes. now I can roll
0: out the red carpet for you to to take a victory <laughs> lap and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've all I've been doing is taking victory laps with uh, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins becoming an NBA champion. So I'll uh, you know spare the listeners to this very show of another Carlin Gay victory lap. But we will talk about the NBA draft on the show. That's not too far ahead of us. Uh, we will talk. Maybe we'll dab on some free agency. But we do have to talk about, one, Stephen Curry. Um, if you're listening to the live show, you know that we go Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific time. We know that uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors had their parade on Monday. That uh, was, you know, everything that you would want out of a parade if you're just a standard uh, bystander. And... Um, yeah, we got we got Draymond Green antics. We got Steph appearance. Uh, Andrew Wiggins said nothing at all. Uh, the crowd was able to come out. The first sign that we're slowly getting out of this pandemic. Um, I know it is still affecting a lot of people around the world, but uh, we're, we're closing in on. I, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I was glad to see the team being able to celebrate a championship with the parade and the players be able to celebrate a championship with the parade. Some of the fans even took a charge. Um, Clay Thompson. <laughs> Doling out some uh, some uh, lumber, uh, knocking down one of our you know one of the Golden State Warrior fans uh, on his way to a, a small trip. Um, lost his championship ring, lost his championship hat. He did get the championship ring back, the hat not so much. That's that's gone forever in the cove. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on on just the parade and and everything that you know went around that? Uh, because it was a big deal, it was the first time we we really saw a championship parade since 2019. Which, by the way, I was at. I was at the 2019 parade.
0: You sure were. Um, Draymond Green's having a great time. That's the biggest thing that's jumped out to me since the Warriors won the championship. It feels like you know he's he's going at absolutely everyone on on Twitter, social media, and he had a uh, he had a few things to say at that championship parade. So Draymond Green is rightfully feeling great, on top of the world. Um, no, nothing's off limits at this point for him. But look, it, it was just. I'm not I'm not one to like say which championship means more which one was a better win and everything like that but this felt like a very meaningful championship to the Warriors right like we, we saw this team kind of surprise everyone I feel like it's fair to say that first year they won the championship then they lose they get Kevin Durant and they become one of the most dominant unstoppable forces in NBA history like that that, that Kevin Durant team Warriors team was absolutely unbelievable we know how that played out. You know, the, losing that the like two back-to-back seasons were pretty rough for them. And to reach the mountaintop again after all of that to win their fourth title in eight seasons, Steph Curry winning the, the Finals MVP that has eluded him to this point of his career, and, and I mean everything from top to bottom, right? Like Klay Thompson coming back from the injuries that he had, Andrew Wiggins. We've talked about it a ton, but a guy who was a number one pick in the draft has had so many it feels like up and downs in his career. To be at this stage, to play as big of a role on this team as he did. Um, Draymond Green being at this age, make, being able to still wreck everything defensively. Like you could just tell this championship, championship meant a lot to them. Um, and that, that's really the biggest thing that jumped out to me, kind of, you know, since that game six ended um, and up until that championship parade.
1: No question about it. I, I, I thought that they uh, definitely, yeah, you're right. It's hard to say which championship means more. I thought that they, I won't say that, but I do feel like I, I they had an appreciation for this championship more than they did some of the others. Um, you know, with, with Kevin Durant, it was almost like a foregone conclusion that they would win. The first one, I, I don't know, you, you kind of think that you're going to get back. And uh, the first one's always probably the best one, right? Like the first one, um, you know, it just means more because you're finally there. But I, I do think that they've definitely spent some more time to soak this all in because they're different players. You so know, that first championship uh, was almost you know ten years ago now. Um, yep. You know, they've in Steph's case, uh, he has a whole family, uh, Draymond has kids to celebrate it with. You know, it's 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 different. Um, it's it's very different uh, going through this, and I think, you know, the journey that they had to get through with Clay, um, you know, missing basketball for. What felt like two years, close to two years, um, you know, the, the changes around the team, the move to San Fran. Uh, there's a lot that happens, um, you know, just that we don't see beyond the scenes. And uh, to be able to stand back on the mountaintop, uh, this team uh, definitely deserves the victory lap that they're taking. And I hope they enjoy it all summer long. You know what, what Draymond reminds me of? Draymond reminds me of, and, and you probably won't get this reference, and I'm probably speaking to like 1% of the audience listening to right now. But when Alexander Ovechkin won the Stanley Cup finally for the Washington Capitals, um, you know he had been uh, a long time, one of the best players in the league, won multiple league MVPs, led the league in scoring, uh, and then every year it felt like you know he had the best record in the in the in the in the regular season. They get into the playoffs and they bounced in the first round, um, and the, the knock on him was you know he couldn't win the big one, he could never get there. Finally got there and they were able to hoist the Stanley Cup. Uh, in Vegas, beating the Vegas Golden Knights, and he celebrated all summer. All summer was was never sober. Anytime Cameron was around, he was with that cup um, everywhere he went. Uh, he he just he jumped into ponds like he was going crazy with that Stanley Cup, and rightfully so. Like it, it took a lot to get there, and he celebrated it. Um, you know, with uh, accordingly, and I hope that Draymond continues the celebration beyond the parade um, and and the rest of the team as well, and everyone around them too. Um, so. Congratulations to the Warriors again. Um, they uh, now have the target back on their backs. They're standing atop the mountain uh, heading into next season. And you over on the sporting news slash NBA dot com wrote, um, you know, decided to take on the tough challenge of ranking the well, you power ranked the teams going into next season. Um, give me a rundown of that top five. And, and how hard was it to actually come up with those uh, those power rankings? It is very difficult because not to give away my my
0: top five right now, but you do. There, there are some projections involved. There's a couple teams in there that I think might catch some people off guard um, because one of them didn't even make the playoffs this season. But so you, you've really got to think about like you know these teams getting healthy again, going in full strength, and everything like that. But I, I, I had the Warriors at the number one spot. A lot of that is just respect to the champions. They've reached the mountaintop. They're there. Like you said, they're the ones with the target on their back right now. Um, but I also think, like, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are getting up, up there in age, but they each prove that they still have a lot to give this season. And not only that, but Andrew Wiggins is kind of like this nice bridge between that older core and the new wave of players. And really, I mean, Jordan Paul has shown a ton of improvement to this point in his career. Maybe he doesn't make the same leap that he made this season because it was quite a big one, but I still think he has room to grow. And really, I mean, they won this championship with nothing from James Wiseman, very little from Jonathan Kaminga and very little from Moses Moody. And those are three lottery picks over the last couple seasons. Those guys, um, you know, from here on out are just hopefully going to get better and better. So I think that they're, they're pretty well prepared to, I, I don't know if they're going to defend this title. We'll see if mm-hmm. that's the fun of this. Um, but I, I think they, they have enough there to, to warrant this number one spot. Number two spot, I have the Clippers. I'm really high on this team. And look, a lot of this comes down to, can they be healthy? And that's a big question because we know Kawhi Leonard missed this entire season with a partially torn ACL. He is a guy who has been, you know, um, load managed for, for the last few years. Um, that's just the player he is. And Paul George, it feels like every single season gets injured. But if they can stay healthy, it's a big if, but if they can stay healthy, I love the supporting cast around them. They're deep. They're versatile. Um, we know they like to play small. And I, I think Tyler Lue is just one of the best coaches and tacticians in the league. So I'm really, really high on this Clippers team. So I have them at two, three. I have the Bucks. Um, I I don't think that needs too much of an explanation. They have arguably the best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's somehow only getting better and better. Um, We saw them go to seven games with the Celtics in the second round, and they didn't have Chris Milton, who is their their second best player. I think most people will agree with that. Um, I I still think this team is going to be really good, although they're going to have they have an important offseason kind of coming up uh, to kind of round out their second unit. At four, I have the Celtics. They came up short in the finals. This team's not going anywhere. They still have their like top seven or eight players on the contract for next season. They're going to be a defensive powerhouse. Robert Williams III will hopefully be healthy. Um, and while they had... I mean, Jalen Brown Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had a great postseason. I, I feel like that is worth saying, because it did feel like a lot of the conversation around like Jalen Brown was all the... He can't dribble, gets so many turnovers and everything. That guy averaged, like, what, 20-plus points in the finals... 23 and a half points in the finals um was there you know leading score or second leading score pretty much the entire playoffs i i, I thought he was fantastic and yes jason tatum came down to earth in the finals he still had a great postseason um so i, I think those guys taking a step forward is is certainly out don't not not out of the realm of possibility and then in my fifth spot which might right, raise some eyebrows i have the nuggets and again this is one of those like they have to be healthy because jamal murray missed this entire season while sure. recovering from the acl we know what happened to michael Porter jr with his back undergoing surgery yet again but those guys coming back i i feel they were gearing up for a deep postseason run uh when jamal murray went down two seasons ago like it looked like that's where the, that was heading so i think that having those guys back nicole jokic keeps getting better aaron golden fits in really nicely around them um again if they can stay healthy i, I really like the potential of that team
1: they made them. They might have made it out of the Western Conference last season, um, if Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt when he does. Um, Though I know the Suns were were really good in the playoffs. I just think that the Nuggets had enough to beat them, uh, and I know the Suns swept them, but it was a different team with Jamal Murray out there, and even um, you know a healthier Michael Porter Jr. would have been uh, would have been better. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really mad at those. Uh, it's hard to really project uh, where teams are going to be in a month from now, let alone by the time we get rolling again at the end of October. So, um, you know, good job out of you by uh, being able to break that down and all 30 teams ranked, uh, which is not easy. It was an Um, exercise. Yeah, definitely is. We'll see how close you are once the season rolls again uh, at the end of October and how much more movement you will have in your power rankings at that point. I think they will relatively stay the same, at least the top 10 will relatively Stay the same unless something dramatic happens with Bradley Beal. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't talking much about him, but uh, I think over the next couple of months, we might have some Bradley Beal movement conversation uh, starting to peak a little bit. No one's saying just a hunch.
0: maybe over the next week. To be honest, yeah, it's not even months. True. You know, it's uh, that's how quickly things move in the NBA, and it does feel like all these things are back to back to back. But um, I honestly, I, I think in the top ten. The Suns were the hardest team for me to project. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, they destroyed everyone this regular season. It all came crumbling down in that game seven loss to the Mavericks. I I'm still optimistic about this team. Obviously, they have one of the best coaches in the league. Devin Booker should continue to improve and everything like that. You know, Chris Paul, another a uh, another year older. Um, is he going to be capable of kind of maintaining this level? I know we've said that for what feels like forever at this point. Um, but the, the big thing for me is what happens with DeAndre Ayton Because there's talk out there about you know the Suns being At least open to the idea of signing and trading him somewhere else Getting something in return for him Which is crazy to think for a guy who they used the number one pick in the draft To select a few years ago um, But the, the uncertainty around that just makes me, them a really hard team To kind of project at this point um, of the calendar year I had them in six A lot of that is respect to what they were able to do this season Especially in the regular season But um, right. they, they're probably the one I, I had the toughest job with
1: a eight and four miles Bridget's trade straight up. Who would that benefit more if it does or is that an even trade? I mean, the Suns still need a center, though, they right? Do. But they know that knowing that Aiden is not going to get the max. So they're, they're going to be in the market for a center no matter what. So. And look, we, we talked
0: about it during the season. The The fact that Bismack Biombo was able to play so well for them for a long right. stretch, I think is a testament to their system, Chris Paul, everything like that. So maybe they are optimistic that they can get a center who's 70%, 60% of what Aiden is, and yeah, they, they find an upgrade in a different position and that can get them over the top. I I don't know. that it, It's tricky. I, I still think they would be better off kind of targeting a center um, in return for Aiden to be honest. I don't know if Miles Bridges gets him over the top. I like Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he's kind of the answer for them.
1: Let me throw this other one at you that will come up in conversation, I'm sure. Uh, and again, I haven't read anything, heard anything, but a three-team trade. Don't know what the third team is, but it would see Ayton going to Atlanta, John Collins going somewhere else, um, and maybe Click Capella going back the other way to Phoenix.
0: So John Collins isn't going to Phoenix in this situation. He wouldn't go
1: to Phoenix in this situation. He'd go to the third team, and the third team would return some compensation coming back the other way. I, w- I mean, maybe I'll, maybe Indiana is that team because I know Indiana has been in the talks of moving on from Turner, and that way Atlanta ends up with a center um, or a backup center. and Phoenix ends up with two, maybe um, if they don't want to move. You know, uh, Capella. I, I think that I don't think a John Collins for. Uh, Aiden works for either team, right? Like, I think that maybe you have to have yeah. a third third team in there. I think you're right. I, I, that's kind of what I was getting at of, like, if you have, like,
0: 60 or 70% of Aiden, does that is that enough if you can find an, another upgrade? I think Clint Capella is, like, a good example of that. You know, great offensive rebounder. He was one of the best defenders at the center position. You know, not not this season he had some injuries. He was a little up and down. But the season before that, um, we know he's a lob threat. He's played with Chris Paul before. I actually do really like his fit on this team. I, I just don't know if like you give up DeAndre Aiden and Clint Capella is the headliner coming back in that deal. But Again, it would just be
1: him. It'd be John right. Collins, right?
0: Yeah. I mean I i don't I don't hate that. It's just maybe the it's maybe it's wrong to look at this as like they drafted Aiden number one and they took him over Luka Doncic. But like I can't help but like that that just stays in my mind whenever we think like any trail that you suggest to me that's going to be what I'm thinking about. And look, they're never going to make up for that decision um, with this trade. But I I also think if they do want to pick up from like, if they do want to still be, you know, one of the best teams in the league next season, get past where they were this season, that this is going to be a really, really important trade for them.
1: I think people sleep a little bit on John Collins, uh, because they didn't make the playoffs this year. He just didn't have the, you know, the breakout year, but people, you know, forget that a year ago in the playoffs, um, Mm-hmm. you know he was great defensively and he was doing all the little things that you wanted him to do to help the team win like he shut down Julius Randall in that first round series and now that sounds like oh who cares it was Julius Randall whatever Julius Randall was coming off of a great season where you know it was an all-star um, you know one most improved all um, NBA all NBA player and John yeah. Collins you know completely took him out of his game uh, in that playoff series and did a decent job on Joel Embiid too um, through stretches. Now, they didn't leave him out there on him often, but he did a decent job, uh, of guarding Joel Embiid and, 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 you know, had some moments, um, you know, just guarding Tobias Harris slash Ben Simmons, uh, slash, you know, whoever Philly was throwing out there in that series. Um, you know, that it was trying to guard Giannis at moments, not like it was successful, but it was a part of that. Uh, so I thought he did a decent job in the, uh, in the postseason showing that he could guard a little bit. Um, mm. So yeah, he's 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 valuable. I'll I, be I interested to see if Phoenix uh, scoops him up. All right, um, you know we completely skipped over Steph legacy talk. I think we can move past that. You can go anywhere else and and listen to that stuff. There's a lot of hey, where does Steph rank today? Uh, conversations around the NBA. That's cool, but I do want to talk about uh, the Warriors championship window, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of folds into Steph because Steve Kerr has been saying it. All along, ever since the final buzzer sounded to end the season and the Warriors confetti, um, you know, the champagne showers and everything else, the Warriors' success begins and ends with Steph Curry. So how long does this championship window actually have? It's a really,
0: really interesting question because I I think it's fair to say Steph – like this wasn't – at least in the regular season, this wasn't close to being Steph Curry's best season of his career, right? Like he – There were signs Uh, that like,
1: wait, it started that way though. We were, we, we talked about this, uh, you know, the other day off air. And, you know, at the end of the first month, people thought that the, a lot of people were choosing the Warriors to win the championship at that time. We're saying, hey, wait till Clay Thompson gets back. They're going to take off. And I think we, we ignored that. You know, once Clay got there and he wasn't the same and they, they had the injury issues, Draymond was out of the lineup for an extended period of time. Steph wasn't the same Steph uh, after the injury, and Andrew Wiggins got the All Star nod, forgot how to hit a free throw or play basketball for that matter, and then everyone was kind of down on them. But we, I think, we forgot how good they were to start the season and how good Steph was to start the season. Really, he was incredible to start the season, but he did like have a weird shooting slump.
0: And you just look at his numbers on the season; they don't. I mean, they don't compare to the one last season when he was, you know, finalist for MVP, led the league in scoring, everything like that. The big picture thing is, though, like I, I do think he, he, there were signs of, of at least some decline from, from him during the regular season, right? But he was incredible in the playoffs, especially in the finals. I mean, he averaged 31 points per game against a Celtics defense that shut down Kevin Durant. I don't want to make this a talk about Curry versus Durant and all that because it has been happening um, nonstop, it feels like, for the entire playoffs. But this Celtics team, they didn't you know, shut down Giannis, but they were able to get past him. Um, they were legit defensively. They matched up well, I thought, with the Warriors, and he was able to carve them up. And I think that's what makes this such an interesting discussion because yes, Steph Curry's getting up there in age, but he still proved that he can be the best player in a series against a really good team, which is incredibly important for them. I think Andrew Wiggins should take a step forward, right? Assuming he's still on this team next mm-hmm. season and beyond. Clay Thompson, I think, should be better. Um, considering he's just coming off of two straight severe leg injuries, barely played really in the regular season, um, and he's starting for them the entire postseason. And yes, he he only shot like what thirty five percent from the field in the in the finals. I still think he had some good moments. Hit thirty five percent of his threes. Defensively, I thought he was great. The amount of times like he's rotating over, making plays at the basket, I thought he was really good on that end of the floor in the finals. And again, like Jordan Poole should get better. Draymond Green is still. <laughs> What he did defensively in that Game 6, by the way, absolutely incredible. He was everywhere. He was disrupting yeah. everything, making plays around the basket, coming up with steals, deflections. That game 5-2. Game 5-2, but I think Game 6 in particular, that was just a defensive masterclass from them. So... The big thing here is like what like what are they gonna get from james wiseman because we basically haven't seen much of him since he you know he was what, he was the number two pick a couple years mm-hmm. ago right mm-hmm. um that's a big one for them uh, he I, I think he definitely fits a need on this team like we saw how valuable Kevon looney is right defensively given mm-hmm. that rim protector his switchability um but he's not like a, a lob threat he's not a guy who's gonna space the floor and we've seen signs of that from James Wiseman. So if he if he can kind of be like a more athletic Kevon Looney, for example, um, a guy for the next decade who can do that, that changes the the, the championship window drastically, I think. And that's not even to say Jonathan Kaminga should really really encouraging stuff this season. Um, you know, he's a guy who even going into the draft last year was seen as having some of the best potential in his class. Like, how quickly can they tap into that? And Moses Moody, I think, is just going to be a great like three and D kind of type of player for them. So it's and, I, and I, ultimately, I think Steph's game is going to age really well. Right. Like right. It, he's he's the best shooter of all time. He can shoot in every different way imaginable. He's so unselfish, like really not enough was made about how the fact that he came off the bench for four straight games to start this postseason. And he was just kind of like cool with it. Right. Yeah, and we, he told yeah, about how, to it like, on
1: the show. If anyone was going to do it, it was us. More, no, but I'm saying, like,
0: generally, right? Like, nothing was really made of it. It's crazy to think when he's crowned Finals MVP for the first time in his career, it's like, oh, yeah, he started this postseason run coming off the bench for Jordan Poole. <laughs> like, yeah. it's crazy. Um, I, I, I just think Steph's game is going to age well. And defensively, too. Like, Steph's never been known as, a, as a, a big defender, a great defender, or anything like that. He's put on size. I think that's helped him a lot. He's a smart team defender, the way that he funnels guys into help and everything like that. So I, I, I do think there are fascinating like you asking what their championship window is fascinating because it could go in so many different directions. Um, But I I do think they are set up for quite a lot of future success based on like the roster they have right now.
1: Yeah. I I think the Wiseman card is the biggest wild card in all of this. And and I keep calling him Andrew Bynum. Uh, No one wants to jump on the bandwagon with me, but um, it it might be because Andrew Bynum actually played more, um, you know, before he had his real breakout. But people forget that you know the Lakers made it to the finals in 08, 09. Celtics fans don't um, forget that because that's the year they won their last championship, and they're still celebrating that. But you know he, he you know the the 08 team played in the finals without Andrew Bynum, um, you know at at this at his you know available for them uh, for the entire playoffs, and that left a lot on Paul Gasol's shoulders and. Um, you know, with Kevin Durant, Kendra Perkins and Leon Poe and all the bigs that the Celtics had to offer big baby Davis, um, you know, they just wore him down and, and they weren't able to get over the hump. But once you brought Andrew Bynum into the mix, um, he wasn't closing games, but he provided a lot of size and athleticism that, you know, the, they were missing, um, you know, in, in that series before, and they were able to get past the magic and Dwight Howard the first year and then follow that up with the back, back championships. With Andrew Bynum uh the second year beating or uh beating the Celtics in seven and then Bynum kind of caught you know his his really his rhythm there um and was an all-star now people forget that this dude was an all-star 18 and 12 um you know was blocking shots was passing out of double teams he 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 hadn't figured out now some say hey it was a contract year you got that contract year bump he's a little bit more excited to to have that, but he was a second-leading scorer on the Lakers um, You know, after that. And you thought that he was going to be ready to take off. He ends up signing the big contract with Cleveland. You know the injury history, et cetera, et cetera. I think that next year, James Wiseman could bring an element to the Warriors that they haven't had really since Andrew Bogut left, and that's going to make them an even stingier defensive team. Now, he does not have the passing ability that Bogut had. That's the one thing that I think that the those two guys – that separates Bogut from from Wiseman. It's like Bogut was an, an elite passer, but you know if he's able to be a, a lob threat, we haven't seen them have that really. Um, you know in this run, uh, you know just a, a real rim protector. Draymond Green's decent, but he's not like an intimidating force. You know if he's if 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 Wiseman could be that intimidating force where you're thinking twice whether it's a floater or rather than going to the ten, that's tough. Um, and and I think that answers a lot of the questions that we might have had about this team uh, offensively because he's going to be able to set more screens uh, and solid screens for to get Steph free. You know, if Steph's slowing down, maybe he needs an extra second for for that screen. If he comes in and uh, he being a wise man could come in and be a solid screen setter. He's a big body, man. It's tough to get around. And Steph doesn't need only but so much space. Um, so if Clay's slowing down, hey, you give him a proper screen, he'll figure out the rest. And then if Andrew Wiggins could, you know, be, you know, unlock uh, another side to his game in the pick and roll with Wiseman when Steph's off the floor, Jordan Poole could do the same. Um, You know, they, they really don't run much pick and roll and people ask for in the finals, Steve Kerr delivered. It's probably the reason why they, they changed the series uh, in that game four, but now you have a, a natural screen and roll guy versus asking Kevon Looney to do that. Who's not really much of a finisher inside in those situations that, And then that you know, depending on his development, if that bumps Looney to the bench, wow, you know, talk about a solid big coming off the bench. So yeah, I I think the Warriors' window depends on Wiseman's development. I give him two years, Scott. I give him two more years, even if we see peak Wiseman, because I just think that the West is so tough right now. Um, You know, you have Memphis, you have, um, you know, Denver. We talked about. Clippers, um, yeah, Clippers, those teams. yeah. There's a lot of teams, so it's less. I think it's less about them, more about the western. We're at rest of the Western Conference. All right, before we get out of here, I wanted to talk some NBA draft. Uh, you've done some some mild studying. Studying, I'll say. Uh, as we have two days before the draft, I'll say this: I'm I'm more excited about this class than I think most people are. It's not going to compare to last year's class. Last year's class looks like it's an all timer, right? Like I think we have a ton of all stars in last year's class. Um, this year's class doesn't feel that way, but I do think there'll be some impact players, and it's interesting. Um, because with the parity we have, we now have in the league, it feels like the bottom of the league is closer to making, um, you know, that playoff leap that they want to make than they would have been in years past when that gap was so wide. When it was like, all right, we know that the Heatles at the top of the Eastern Conference doesn't matter who you draft, you're not going to catch them. Um, you know, you know, that you know, OKC, sorry, uh, you know, that. Kevin Durant just left OKC. He's on the Warriors. It doesn't matter who, you know, the, the, the Thunder draft. They're just not going to catch the Warriors. So, you know, it, it feels like there's more vulnerability um, with the top teams, which allows us to at least fantasize about the idea of the Houston's and the OKC's being closer than maybe they are. Um, And one pick in this draft could turn their franchise around and put them back in that play. And the playing actually, you know, opens a window for, you know, some of this too. just just gives you more optimism with with teams going into the draft. So where do you sit right now? Um, My most intriguing team, I'll say, is the Detroit Pistons. I think if they end up with Jaden Ivey, I I will be watching more Piston games. I'll probably get three in next year rather than zero. Um, Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey and Cole and Cade Cunningham in the backcourt. Cause I really like what Cade Cunningham did in the back end of the season. I'm joking of course, cause I actually watched a lot of Cade Cunningham uh, last season. I, I thought that he got better as the season went along and he will be comfortable not having to score and Jaden Ivey will be comfortable just having to score. I think that would be a perfect backcourt, um, you know, in the Eastern conference if that's able to happen.
0: Yeah. I was really high on uh, Cade Cunningham based on the way he played, especially down the stretch of last season. So that would, that would be fascinating. Uh, a few names. I mean, I'm fascinated by Chet Holmgren. You know, he he's probably the most uh, controversial, I guess, pick or top pick in this draft. Just because some you you ask, and like you could ask 100 people, 50 will tell you that he's a future star, 50 will tell you that he's a bust in the making. Um, but I think you know a seven-footer who can hit threes, make plays off the dribble, protect the rim like he can um, is just a fascinating player. Um, Paolo banquero our Kyle Irving over at the Sporting News uh, at Sporting News and um, NBA.com is really high on Vancouver. I think he still has him at number one in his big board. Um, you know, just a, a six foot 10 scoring machine who can make plays. It's kind of sounds like kind of perfect for today's NBA, right? So I think the possibility of him being like the third pick in Houston, putting him next to Jalen Green, that's pretty exciting. Um, you're talking about Jaden Ivey, though. I, it, we talked about this off air about a week ago. And I'm fascinated to see that like, you know, he he is being compared a little bit to like a, a John Morant or a Derek Rose, right? Like a six foot four guard, super explosive, super fast, um, you know, has some turnover issues, but can make plays for himself and others. Like, isn't that kind of what every team is looking for nowadays? Especially yeah. after we've seen the rise of John Morant. So I, it does surprise me a little bit. And again, I'm no like I haven't done like a deep dive into this draft compared to you know, like our Kyle Irving or other draft experts. But it, does, it is interesting to me that, like, it does feel like there's three prospects in particular. You know, it, it is Chet, it's Paolo, it's, it's Jabari Smith Jr. And then it seems like people are talking about, like, there's a little bit of a drop-off before the Jaden Ivy. Um, I, I am a little bit surprised about that based on what I've seen and read. But um, he, he seems like a super exciting prospect. And, and really, we should talk about J- Jabari Smith Jr. as well, right? Because it, it, all the signs point towards him potentially be, likely being the number one pick in this draft. Um, people seem to be super high on his defensive versatility, his ability to space the floor as a shooter, um, you know, mix in other stuff in there as well. So, um, it, it does seem like a very interesting draft class to your point. Like maybe it's not as, as star loaded, uh, as last season's draft was, but it does seem between those four. And then that's not even, you know, talking about like a guy like Dyson Daniels, who seems to be, um, kind of tailor-made for today's NBA, if not offensively, defensively. Um that, that, that does seem to be a lot of interesting talent in this draft.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely does. Uh, you can head on over to NBA.com slash sporting news and uh, follow all of Kyle's work. He's done a great job of uh, you know breaking down prospects and had some help from our own Gil McGregor as well in that mm-hmm. regard, um, You know, breaking down prospects and then previewing the draft, which is just days away. Uh, reminder, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch it wherever you get your podcast, NBA Sound System. Please rate and review, spread the word. And reminder, uh, we'll be back in two weeks from today rather than today. We are going to take the break next week, and we'll be back post-4th of July. And the only reason for that is not only because we're going to be celebrating uh, July 4th, but also free agency coming up, Scott. That is your time of the year. July 1st uh, is free agency day. Um, We decided to give a little bit of gap uh, to allow some signings to happen. That way we aren't... uh, you know, late on some of these things. And, uh, by the, that I'm, I'm predicting this time in two weeks, when we speak again, I think we'll have a Bradley Beal destination. That is not Washington. That is not Washington. I, I, I do think that, um, it's going to happen, right? Like he's not, he's not finishing his career in Washington. He just, I he just, I I just can't imagine he finishes. career in Washington, But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's plenty of time to debate about that. So for Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay reminding you, you can, uh, Listen to us again, wherever you get your podcast, NBA sound system. Type that in and uh, do us a favor. Tell a friend about us. We'll be off next week. Back after that. Have a happy and safe holiday weekend. The beginning of July. We're already there. Zooming through the NBA calendar and the calendar proper. We'll see you in two weeks, folks. Have a good one.